I feel like in many ways I was a late adopter to all of this stuff. Same. Like I might have posted on Instagram, great, but I was like, I'm too busy. I have, you know, I have a job. I don't yeah. need. Uh, who has time to be doing this Instagram? <laughs> also, I'm like those people just aren't busy. I was totally just asleep on that, and then I was like, wait. These people are doing what I'm doing. They are actually busy and they're doing yeah. this too. And guess what? Now their businesses are exploding and, and booming. Welcome to the Boss Bay Podcast, a place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning how to balance it all. I'm CEO and co-founder Natalie Ellis, and I am joined by Danielle Canty. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Oh, I said, I feel like you said my name so enthusiastically. Well, you know, I'm just happy that you're here. Okay, so this episode (laughs) was freaking phenomenal. We actually discovered Farah on one of our favorite TV shows, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which this literally makes my Wednesdays complete. I wait for the time to watch it every Wednesday. I love it so much. It's amazing. I've got you into it too. Oh, you literally are. You did. I I'd never heard of it or watched it until I met you. And to be honest, that was the case of a lot of reality shows. I'd never even watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians until I met you. And you were like, you have to watch this. So this and Real Housewives. And then last night, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But it's so Are you caught up? Are you up to date? (laughs) No, I'm behind you. (laughs) This is the problem. I do introduce my friends to a lot of shows. I am, I would say, a show queen. But they they never keep up like I do, so I feel like I always have to wait weeks to like chat about it. So is anyone else listening like obsessed with reality TV shows? You know when you see those quotes where like where it's like you can't build an empire and Netflix. I I completely wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> Show me someone else who is as up to date on reality TV shows as me. It's so funny. Natalie and I share a uh, YouTube TV account, and so I can see all the reality shows that she's been watching. I'm like, what even is this one? Is it like Siesta Key? You watching I'm enjoying Siesta I'm like, that's Key. That's the favorites. Yeah, I'm. I'm just all about it. I love my shows. Anyway, so a little bit about Farah. So Farah Brittany is a veritable force within the agency and the broader real estate industry, ranked among the top producers in LA and the nation. In 2020, Farah and her fellow agencies on the Umansky team, the agency CEO and co-founder, Mauricio Umansky and Eduardo Umansky, ranked number three small team in the country on the Real Trends Inc. list of the nation's top real estate teams. With a sales volume of, wait for it, over $564 million. Yeah, Farah has also been named six number 66 on the LA Business Journal's 500 Most Influential People of 2018 and one of Angelino Magazine's Dynamic Women of Los Angeles. She is a force to be reckoned with. She really is. And I was so selfishly excited about this episode because I know the real estate market's going crazy right now, but I don't really know what that means. So I very much was like, can you just like explain this to me in layman's terms? I know. I love Farah. I feel like she's like the full package. Like she's so, so smart. She shared loads and loads of stuff about real estate. And she's like beautiful and nice. She's full lovely. Package. It was like one of my favorite yeah, interviews. Yeah, it really was. It was like absolutely I like wanted to grill her on everything. I'm like, what do you eat? What do you use on your skin? What does your routines look like? How do you plan your day? You name it. I gr- It was just almost like us grilling Farah for an hour. Yeah, ba- basically we were like, tell us everything. Also... Did you like want to grill her even more on Real Housewives? Did you feel like you held back? I felt like you wanted to be like, tell me all the behind the scenes. What's going on in this next series? Give me all of the gossip. No, I didn't (laughs) because I feel like there was just so much more that I wanted to ask. But I mean, I think at some point we need to have one of the Real Housewives on the show also so that we can get the the juice. Let's make that happen. Let us know, you guys, if you're actually interested in that or if you're like, no, boss babe, stick to business. Because I did really want to just grill (laughs) Farah on like how she really, because she's been such an integral part of the agency from the beginning and watching. Yeah. Oh, right from the beginning. and helping a business like that grow so big the amount of knowledge she must have I just wanted to know everything it's just like podcast is a great excuse to pick someone's brain I was also really impressed by her 
ability and want to learn. I feel like so many people just want, you know, they don't want to take the steps to where they want to go. They just want to be there overnight. And what was really amazing about her is how she shared her journey from where she started, who she surrounded herself with, how she learned and how she would do all the jobs. Like you and I were talking about that. There is not a job in Boss Bay between us that we have not done. And we will never ask our team to do things that we've never done ourselves. And like that was her attitude too, which I was really impressed by. Yeah, they're like a real no ego about where you start. And mm-hmm. we were just having that conversation yesterday privately about how we think we're actually you know successful in business because we don't have an ego and successful in our relationship because we don't have an ego we really don't care to be right we want what's best for the business Mm -hmm. and what makes us feel peaceful and happy I don't feel like we've ever had a fight in a situation where your eye is like ego first and wants to be right or or something like that it's just not not there I agree. And that just means we have really efficient communication and get a lot of things. It's like two minute conversations like, hey, what do you think about this? Great. (laughs) Next. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, that's exactly what I love about Farah. You guys are going to absolutely love this episode, I think. Um, If there's anything we didn't ask her that you wanted to know, maybe share this on your stories and ask that we bring her on again and we can keep grilling her because I think that would be an amazing episode. Grilling her. Poor girl's been terrified to come back on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's dive in. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going, and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. Farah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and finally meet you ladies. I know, we've been wanting to have you on for ages and I feel like there's so much that we want to ask you. And I want to kick off just... Going back to your childhood, because I think it's always so great to get to understand um, where someone came from that gave them the qualities that they have today. Like if I look at my strengths and and my best qualities, they all came from my experiences in childhood. So what were you like as a child? What was your childhood like? My childhood was amazing, honestly. Um, My mom is amazing. She was an actress before, and then when she had me, she quit her job just to become um, a single mom, basically. And my parents were divorced when I was about two, but they were really close. And so they had like, you know, no set schedules or no set rules. So it was um, just a really good environment. Uh, My mom, you know, I just have such fun memories. She would take us to Disneyland. She would take me to the park all the time. She would read to me all the time. And it was really the two of us until I was seven and a half years old when my sister was born and obviously my mom got remarried. Um, but for the majority of my childhood, I just remember it being me and my mom and that she just put so much time and energy into me and, um, we had such a great relationship. So I, I must say I had a very, a very nice childhood and, you know, lucky and privileged that my parents, they put me through great schools and I had all my cousins with me. We spent the holidays together. So just a very blessed childhood for sure. I love that. And when it comes to your ambition, organization, determination, have you always been like that? Can you remember being like that as a child? A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> like when, I, when I was little, I remember when my mom picked me up from school when I was like five and I was hysterically crying, sobbing my eyes out. And she was like, what's wrong? What happened? What's wrong? And I said, I was like, I got an A minus. And she was like, what? That's it? She's like, that's great. And I was like, no, but it wasn't an A plus. And my mom never said you have to have, you know, A plus, 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 plus. But I just, as a kid, I was like, oh, if that exists, like I want to have the best grades. And, but it was a mix of both too, because, you know, my dad, he, I don't know if you ladies know, but he's from Asia, he's from Jakarta. And so for a lot of, you know, people that are not from the US, like the American education is, you know, the utmost importance. And so my dad always was like, hey, you know, school's so important. You have to, you know, what college are you going to go to as a little kid? And my mom also, she always instilled like, okay, if you want something, then you got to make great grades. So because my lifestyle, I've said this before, but was vastly different when I was little compared to what it was now. I'm just, it was very simple. We did not have any of this, you know, fame and there was not this kind of money um, just like a different mm-hmm. lifestyle. So we were not, I was not spoiled at all. And if I wanted a toy, clothes, anything, 
my mom would say, okay, great, put that on your birthday list or your Christmas list. And if you get, you know, if you do well in school, then maybe you'll see that at your birthday or Christmas. So I was like, oh, okay, so if I work hard, that means I can get what I want. Mm. So even as a little kid, that was always in my mind, like work hard, you will be rewarded. So definitely a mixture of myself and my parents combined. When did that change? When did those lifestyles really change? When did you notice it changing? Probably just in the last, honestly, six to seven years or so. When my mom got on the Housewives show, obviously that opened a whole new door of, you know, people and fans, her fans, and being on the show and in the spotlight. And But that was kind of around the same time, actually, ironically, that we opened the agency, which was 2011. I think my mom got on the Housewives around 2009, 2010. 2011 is when we opened the company. So, and it's not like it was, you know, an overnight success either. That was years and years of building the company, opening new offices, adding agents. Um, and so probably four, five, six years into that is when we started to see, you know, things are definitely changing around here. <laughs> I think as well, like that's just really important to highlight because I think obviously a lot of people see it's like that overnight success, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's always been this way. But actually, like you say, you grew up with a very normal childhood and certain morals instilled from that age and so I'm curious like with your mum deciding to start like go on the show etc was that a family decision was everyone sat down and like hey as a family we're going to decide or was your mum like hey I want to do this well I'm sure there were definitely you know conversations between her and Mauricio what is this going to mean for the mm -hmm. family and all that I don't remember specifically like a day where she sat us down but I do remember her you know, doing her casting tapes and that sort of thing and letting us know. And I'm assuming none of us had any objections um, <laughs> or else my mom's not the kind of person that would have just been like, well, too bad I'm doing it anyways. Yeah. So, but even then we didn't know what it was going to be. None of us watched the other franchises. I think there were only, you know, OC in New York at the time, if I'm even right. And it was still so early on. So we, we had no idea what was going to transpire or that we would still be here this many years later her you know season 11 is starting in two weeks That's so crazy. it's crazy and the fact that my sister Portia grew up on that show is also wild and how old were you then when the agency started because you've been there right from the beginning right I have I've been there right from the beginning I was fresh out of college USC I graduated from USC and I had been interning with Mauricio my stepfather for the summers prior but we were working at a different real estate company he was an agent at uh, another real estate company, my uncle's actually. And um, when I graduated college, I was deciding whether I wanted to do psychology or get into real estate. It was either one or the other. But when he told me, you know, we're, we're starting the agency, we're starting a brand new company from the ground up, do you want to be a part of that or not? Of course, it's up to you. And at first I said, no, I don't think so. But then I realized, that's really, really what I wanted to do. And that's where I wanted to be. And what was that family dynamic, right? Because I feel like it's one thing to work with some people and another thing to work with the actual family. Like, how did how did you guys navigate that? It's been really easy in most ways in mm -hmm. the sense of, like, the way that you're asking. People say, you know, it's so hard working with family. And it has it's not hard at all. We all get along so great. My sister's now in the business. But what it is is just... A little dysfunctional at times it's a little um, just less structure because we are family so there's not you know that kind of um, corporate structure I guess that you would imagine it's just it's very laid-back sometimes too laid-back but overall it's it's amazing and so I imagine while a lot of people your age were kind of getting started in their careers and slowly progressing you were just thrown in in the deep end like yeah. okay I'm building this company what like what kind of skills did you need from that beginning to start adapting to doing that well it really wasn't I was basically you know Mauricio he's a real estate agent one of the top in the country at the time and yeah. then he had to shift to pivot shift and pivot <laughs> shift into um, CEO role which was very new for him and suddenly that was taking his focus away from real estate sales and really it was building the business. Uh, how do we grow the company? How do we add agents? How do we build culture? How do we, you know, branding, marketing, all of those things. So while all that was happening and we were hiring people and 
and building the company, we still have the real estate business too, which is like the mini company within the company. And that needed to be attended to. And so we had already been working side by side for the previous year. And when he, you know, was focused mainly on building the agency, I kind of helped assist in the real estate part. So, but in the first few years, the first three years, I was actually his assistant. So I was doing everything from um, running the ads for the real estate for the for the company, running to get coffees, um, you know, calling the LA Times, kind of everything, all the bitch work um, and managing escrows, all the paperwork, all the contracts. So I, through his assistant and, you know, being there by his side, I was learning all the process and everything and letting him kind of, you know, focus more on the company. Let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture, and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design, and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, Every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash boss babe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash boss babe, masterclass.com slash boss babe. The other day, the team and I were talking about how much our audience loves biohacking. And whenever we release content based around creating better habits for our lifestyle and health, you all seem to really soak it up and request more. So I wanted to share about our podcast sponsor, Prolon, today because I've never seen a company like this. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe that they're fasting. There are so many strategic benefits to fasting and Prolon helps you hit these goals without actually needing to fast. Prolon's five-day program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all designed to keep your body in a fasted state. And you get everything pre-packaged, labeled, and ready to go, so there's no guesswork. It's super simple, and it works. Extended fasting of at least two to three days has proven to produce unique benefits like cellular rejuvenation, metabolic support, and increased cardiovascular health. So if you're ready for a fasting program that doesn't leave you hungry or exhausted and instead gives you more energy, I highly recommend giving Prolon a try. Right now, Prolon is offering Boss Babe podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash boss babe for this special offer. Prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That educational process is not to be underestimated though, is it? Like being able to be around someone who's more like senior and learn from them and see how they do it. Like I would... I can see how that would completely fast track your own success, you know? Oh, 100%. 100%. I could not imagine a more amazing mentor that I got to sit next to every single day, soak up every single bit of knowledge from him, learn how he interfaces with clients, how he deals with deals, how he deals with fires, you know, that need to be put out and just all the intricacies of the, you know, the psychology of the deals and of course you know, starting with properties that I couldn't even have imagined before um, Mm. and getting to be involved on really big deals, um, being thrown in right into that, that was that was amazing. But I also want to call out your attitude towards that as well, because like you have that growth mindset attitude, like, yeah, I did the bitch work. I was willing to do any of it and I was there to learn. And, you know, I think that's sometimes people just like want like oh yeah i want it yesterday like they're not willing to start at the ground and work all the way up and do to the jobs that they don't like Nally and i always say like we've probably done every between us every single job in this business you have to everything and i think like 
there's something to be said around that like willing to roll up your sleeves and even now we always talk to our team like we're not asking you we'll never ask you to do anything that we've not done ourselves we will always be the first to roll up our sleeves and get stuck in and i just think that sometimes it's very easy to be like oh yeah of course i did this but it's not the way some people work and then add the other layer one that this is then your stepdad <laughs> so there's like a, another family dynamic to it as well absolutely like, to make that work is really impressive well, I think, you know, to be a great leader, you have to have done everything from the bottom all the way up. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, how are you going to teach? How are you going to lead? How are you going to expect other people to do those things if you don't know what it's like to be in their shoes? And I, you know, know plenty of people that get into this business specifically because they want the overnight success because yeah. that's what they hear, that's what they see. It's so glamorized, looks so easy. Just go show houses, you find a buyer, bada bada bada, that's it. But it's really not that simple. And a lot of those people end up struggling because they did not get all those layers, you know, as the foundation. So I was like, I'm willing to put in as much work as I need before I launch off on my own. Um, so that I really feel confident stepping into it at that point and that I will know what I'm talking about and can take from those experiences. Mm. What was that like with boundaries? Because I feel like, especially when you work with family, even I work with Danielle and I feel like because we're best friends, there's not really a boundary between like work business and, and personal and we could be yeah. talking business at midnight. How have you been able to manage that? Uh, that is one of the hardest parts, honestly, because I want to talk about it all the time i feel yeah. like and because especially you know him being so busy and people coming at him all the time his schedule is like insane um i think like okay well you know we're family i don't need to get on the schedule well guess what <laughs> because i'm not on the schedule we are barely you know having dedicated time one-on-one -on -one talking about these things so then i'm like okay great go to my house, go see my parents. Yesterday, it's Mother's Day. Things um, that I've been following you for a while and conversations stuff I've heard you had, like I see a lot of myself in you in the sense of like, you hey. know, there's like achiever skills, but not necessarily the most comfortable on social or putting yourself out there. And I guess in some ways, that's kind of been a little bit forced upon you and then you've really stepped up to the mark. So how have, yeah. you, how have you done that? What are the challenges you felt that you've had to overcome? I mean, since I was little, I've always had a hard time. I mean, I'm very opinionated. Um, I I love to write, but I've always had a hard time like speaking up in front of groups, like mm. fine one on one or you know the three of us here. But whenever it would come to projects, group things, anything like that, um, it was extremely perfect. We get some time out of the office. Let's you know fire off some things that are happening in in the business. What are, what's happening with our escrows? No. It doesn't happen because A, my mom doesn't want us talking about work. Yeah. She's like, this is boring to your sisters. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> and he's actually really good about separating when he's at home. He's in the home zone. When he's at work, he's in the That's work zone. So it kind of gets tricky. So what I realize is I do have to schedule an appointment. <laughs> and... That's how it goes. <laughs> I love that. And so with the, um, you know, mum being on the show as well and, you know, growing this business, I'm really curious how that's affected you on a social media side as well because, you know, it's hard for me. And so, yes, being on the show, it is, I did not ask for it, but it's kind of different because when the cameras are in your house, you kind of forget about them. They, they become like family, the cameramen. You don't really think about all the people that are going to watch later. Yeah, I get nervous, but... Um, the social media part, that was really weird to see when my following started to grow and grow. And then I'm yeah. like, I mean, I barely appear on the show and I have, you know, this, this huge amount of people like watching me. And since I'm like shy, I would just like post a picture here and there, here and there. But I was never showing my personality. I was barely, you know, contributing or I don't know. And, and I just felt like the more I saw on social media people being so authentic and the people that I was drawn to, people, you know, being vulnerable and just sharing about them their self, themselves, their lives, I just felt like, okay, well, that's what I want to do, but I was terrified. I would see other people doing it and yeah. I would say, yeah, but why does anyone have to care? Like, I have lots of things to say, but does it really, is, is it worth it? I do a story, I delete it. <laughs> I'm like, who cares? Am I annoying people? Yeah, this literally same conversation. And yeah. then I would think about like 10 people that I know, like 
you know, out of my outer circle. And I would think about those people and I'd be like, those people are definitely going to be judging me and think this is just so stupid. And then I would just say, and eh, this isn't worth it because I'm such a perfectionist. And I'm like, I don't need, I don't want to put something out there and not be able to read the room. And I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But then I realized, what about all those other people that do yeah. want to hear it? As I'm sure you ladies have realized by now that like even if one person you're going to help by saying something, then that makes it worth it. So I started doing one little video here and there, and then I, I found like who my community was within my community of a lot of these girls saying, oh, my God, never would have thought that you would be, you know, nervous to speak up or that you would have these kinds of struggles. This means so much to me. Can you please continue to share? Can you continue to share? And so I'm like, okay, I got to do it. I got to keep going. So it's still a struggle, but every single day I'm working on it. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's really important for us just to kind of create more honesty in that space as well, you know, because I think everyone has this perception that it's easier for everybody else or, oh, yeah. you know, that none of us have the same struggles. And Natalie still calls me out now. I'm like, really? oh, I'm not posting that. And she's like, I was like, oh, no, I, did, I need to do that again. She's like, just post it. Just get on with it. Stop worrying about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, it gets slightly easier. Oh, it, but gets, it gets so much easier. But still, I have those moments, you yeah. know. And you would think like, oh, I'm, you know, my mom's my mom. My cousin's Paris Hilton. I'm on a TV show from time to time. Like, this is yeah. so easy. This is no big deal. Just, But I think when you're very self, a self-aware person mm -hmm. and a perfectionist and all those things, you tend to critique more. Um, before I remember even, you know, a caption that was longer than one sentence, I'd be like, oh, no, this is way too much. And then I was like, who cares? Just who cares? I just have to constantly tell myself, who cares? Just do it. And people like the imperfections, too, you know? People they do. Like to see even the, more. The realness. Exactly. That's why reality TV is so big, hey? Yeah. We like it to makes me side. proud hearing Danielle talking about <laughs> it gets easier because she faced the same thing. Whereas so bad. I, I've been doing it for a long time and our account exploded and I was like, you really need to stop posting on social. Mm -hmm. so well, I'm curious then how did you, so are you just innately very comfortable putting yourself out there? Or what makes it easy for you? Um, I wasn't, but I was really young. Like I was, I was young when I started doing it because I had um, a physical product company. And I didn't have any marketing budget. So I was like, well, let me go on Instagram. Instagram is brand new. Let me try and post and see if it's gonna work. So initially I wasn't posting about myself, but my business mm -hmm. and the business exploded because of Instagram. So it did really well. So then moving into Boss Babe again, it was more of the same. It was like creating content, but not putting my face on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that gave me the chance to get really familiar with it. And then um, it just kind of grew from there. It just becomes, I, I just think um, competence breeds confidence. Yeah. And I know, you know, what to put out there to resonate with someone. So I got more and more confident. But it's just been for me such a long journey. So when Danielle was first getting on, she's like, I'm, I'm scared to do this. I'm like, you've been yeah. doing it a year. That's why it's just, you have to have so much grace with yourself with anything. I think when oh, you're yeah. getting used to it. For sure. A lot of yeah. self-talk and it's, it's fine. You're going to be fine. No one cares. Yeah. And I think as well, like you might relate to this too, that, you know, I had a brick and mortar business before. And so Instagram was not a way that we necessarily monetize that business. So I always, yes. for me, it was very easy to have the narrative and the story that my time is better spent out and that was also true for a long time but then that balance started shifting and then it was like okay am I still going to tell myself this story and go into this narrative or am I actually going to start actually things can change and I can pivot into this and actually if I learn to get better at this you know I can do that but I remember seeing like Natalie the first time on stories and she was just like literally did it and then posted it and my mind was blown I was like you know that I that record is... things like three times before I post it I mean I don't anymore I'm way too busy now but like back then I was like my jaw dropped I'm like oh wow yeah you don't realize that is a luxury it really is yeah. but I can so relate to what you're saying because I for years, I feel like in many ways I was a late adopter to all of this stuff. Same. Like I might have posted on Instagram, great, but I was like, I'm too busy. I have, you know, I have a job. I don't yeah. need. Uh, who has time to be doing this Instagram? <laughs> also, I'm like, those people just aren't busy. I was totally just asleep on that, and then I was like, wait, these people are doing what I'm doing. They are actually busy, and they're doing yeah. this too. And guess what? Now their businesses are exploding and, and booming. 
And then obviously Instagram has changed over time and now it can be a place where you have your, whatever you're selling, your brand, but also your personal brand. And I just, you know, I realized that it was time to get on board and merge everything together. And you've done a really good job of being able to merge that and bring in real estate yeah. and make it interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how have you found that really using the platform for business and, and creating content that people are going to resonate with? I found it, I mean, it's fun now that I've gotten into the groove and I found interestingly at first you know you you go into it and you think you're doing this because you're, you hope that I don't know a buyer or seller is gonna fall out of the sky from Instagram <laughs> but really those do happen definitely but I what I realized is it's kind of becomes like your business card so if I go on interviews to potentially get a listing and what do people do nowadays they probably google yeah. you they go on your Instagram probably Instagram even first and for them to go and be able to see, oh, wow, she just sold this house in my neighborhood or um, she's active in my community or she's posting like informational tips to first time buyers, these kinds of things. Um, I think that just further solidifies and kind of, you know, lets a client know that you know what you're doing, that you're active in the space, that you're consistent. And so that's one way where I feel like I have gained a lot of business because um, even those people that I kind of know from my outer circle, they had maybe been following me for a long time, but once I started to actually show what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis rather than keep it separate, they were like, oh, that was the missing piece that now, you know, I know her, I feel com comfortable, we have mutual friends, and I know what she's doing, and then I started to see those calls come in. So it definitely has um, changed my business a lot since I've since I've started to share more. Yeah, that just reinforces what um, Natalie always talks about as well as like the consistency piece. Like you don't know who mm -hmm. is watching. And I think it's so easy for people when they're just starting out to like, oh, one post and I didn't think I didn't get that buyer, that prospect straight away. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. It's like, you know, like keep showing up and keep delivering and, you know, it attracts it long term. But again, I think it comes down to that, you know, overnight success again. It's not like that. It's just like plugging away and being consistent. Um, and then things start coming to you. Yeah, this in this um, business for sure, you know, people say whatever you're doing today, you know, you're going to reap the benefits six months from now, probably. So you have to just keep adding those layers mm -hmm. in and then synergistically, you might get a phone call down the road in three, four five months. And you might not even realize that it's because of all those little things that you planted along the way, all those seeds. So speaking of real estate, can we talk about the real estate market right now? Because yes. there's so much talk about what's going on. And can, can you talk a little bit about what the real estate landscape is right now? Is it in a good place? Is it in a bad place? What's going on? The market is crazy. It's crazy. I think everyone is experiencing it. And even if you're not in the real estate business, you probably know. It has been crazy since pretty much not the first few months of the pandemic, but shortly thereafter. I mean, LA specifically, as always, you know, we've been on a in an uptick for probably the last, you know, 2012, 13, we started coming back from the Great Recession. Yeah. <laughs> um, and prices have been rising ever since. They started to dip or correct slightly, or it was slowing down slightly before the pandemic. So when the pandemic happened, everyone thought, oh, for sure, this is it. You know, it's, if it wasn't going to happen before, now it's going to happen finally. And lo and behold, that did not happen the opposite happened. Nobody was expecting mm -hmm. that. You know, nobody was. Um, but it's mainly because interest rates are, you know, historically low, or they have been pretty much um, consistently over the last few months. And supposedly, they're not going to change until, you know, anytime soon, possibly not until 2022. So inventory also is another issue. Inventory has also been low for a long time, and especially now. Um, because buyers really are, you know, they're seeing the, the deficiencies in their homes. They're realizing they want change of format, change of space. They want more space. They want to upgrade. And so it's like a perfect storm of, of craziness. You know, it's, it's caused prices to continue to rise. It's caused even less inventory to be available. So we have just seen like a flurry of activity and you know, everyone wants to know, okay, well, what are people saying? What's going to happen next? Well, they're not, you know, again, they're not supposed to change the mortgage rate, interest rates anytime soon. Um, 
doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of more inventory coming anytime soon either. So it's interesting when you think like, okay, well, there must be some, like I was saying, there must be some sort of effects. Like if you think of the people who lost their jobs and then they weren't able to pay rent and then those people obviously are renting from landlords and maybe aren't able to pay their mortgages and there must be some sort of domino effect. And is it going to be lagging? Like when are we going to see that? But no one's talking about that. They're just saying that really the market is in a very strong place and um, there's no you know, evidence that it's gonna change anytime soon, unless the interest rates go up, which event eventually they will. And when they do, there will probably be some sort of correction, but no crash or anything like that. Mm. We wanna make sure whenever we're spending our time on something, it's an efficient process and a good use of our time. If you can spend a little bit of money to outsource something that usually makes a lot more sense than trying to do every little task your business on your own. That's one of the things I love about ShipStation. ShipStation makes it simple to import, manage and ship your orders out fast and for a lot less money. With ShipStation, you can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier and automate just about any shipping task, which as I'm sure you all know, I'm all about organizing and automating things so they can run in the background rather than you having to be totally hands-on the whole time. That's why we want to share ShipStation with you because ShipStation allows you to ship more in less time. Just use our offer code BOSSBABE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in BOSSBABE. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code BOSSBABE, make ship happen. So I don't really know anything about real estate. I just bought my first house. We're building it right now. So that's the extent of my knowledge. Thank you. <laughs> so one thing that I've just been thinking, which you could tell me if this is totally ridiculous or not, but let's say right now, you know, there's not a lot of inventory. So people are paying and, and people are paying generally pretty high prices mm-hmm. for, for houses right now. Um, is that like a bubble in that, you know, in a couple of years, the market's going to level out and the house price might go down or do you think it would keep going up it should go down if the mortgage rates or the interest rates if they rise there's going to be less buyers that are going to be able to afford homes you know right now since they're so low buyers that you know were at a certain price point before are now able to afford so much more and that's why they're willing to pay these higher prices Um, if the prices continue to rise and the mortgage rates go up and that's going to price buyers out from being able to afford those prices and to get a loan in the first place. And with less buyers means less competition, which means it's got to correct the prices. Yes. So. Got it. So does that mean that investing right now is not necessarily a great idea? Well, it depends how you look at it, because if, you know, people, when I talk to people every day, they're like, money is so cheap right now. It's like they're giving it's money's mm-hmm. free. And that's why everyone wants to buy right now. So, yes, in that way, prices are high, but you're getting you're locking in such a low interest rate that doesn't really matter. Um, And we'll probably never see interest rates this low again. So I think it's a great time to buy. Waiting, not necessarily a great idea. We have a lot of um, women who listen to the show who are obviously very financially savvy or want to be. What are some tips that you have for them when it comes to buying real estate? Like how to find like good areas that might be up and coming or are there certain houses that people should look out for because these are ones that tend to like do better? Like, cause I feel like there's obviously like two reasons why people buy is like obviously just to find like the home that they want to live in. Mm-hmm. But then the other layer to that for a lot of people is like they want to find a home they live in, but they also want to make sure that it's setting them up for future success. So they can, you know, sell at a profit later down the line and buy their next home and not everyone is looking for that dream home straight away so what are some tips that you have there I think it's not necessarily focusing on what you think are the best 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 neighborhoods because those are probably already at you know a cap in terms of yeah land value and pricing wise so it's great to look into up-and-coming neighborhoods you know some kind of untapped little community or something that you don't even have to necessarily envision yourself there and I feel like a lot of us you want to pick something that we could imagine ourselves moving into. But if you're purely looking from a financial standpoint, it doesn't have to be something that you would necessarily live in. So I would say focus on areas where there is an upside 
And then in terms of the actual property, focus on a property that you can add value. So obviously don't buy something that someone just renovated for you to yeah. pay top dollar. You want mm-hmm. to buy something that needs a facelift, needs a new kitchen, and that's all a fun project. And that way you can benefit from the upside later on. So I'm like really ignorant when it comes to US real estate, but in the UK for for me and I had two properties there, it was more like buying houses that I could do change kitchen and bathrooms. They were always like really val- great value adds because a lot of people like shy away from that. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing was always like looking at area where there were good schools, but they weren't necessarily like the most amazing area. Is that still what you should do in the US? Like you're saying up and coming, like how do we know if it's an up and coming area? Well, like, you know, five, ten years ago, Silver Lake, for example, Mm -hmm. in that area in L.A., which now is hot and thriving, and that was not the case before. Even, obviously, now we know Venice is super, super hot, but 15 years ago plus, that was also not an area that people were looking into. That's why you need a real estate agent to guide you on what's Mm -hmm. up and coming, but it's, it's... areas now where people can be pedestrian so when you start seeing a a neighborhood where they're bringing in like retail or coffee shops where they're where else maybe it was more like commercial before that's like stage phase one and then that kind of brings in community but schools are important too for sure especially of course you know for the people who are in the public school system and that's very important to them so it does make a difference what areas you're going to be in yeah, because I think, you know, as well as like a lot of our listeners having their own businesses or side hustles, etc. Like for me, it's always been a really good way to make money. I've made money on both of my previous properties from, nice. like I say, buying like ones that needed a little bit of faceless. But it actually really surprises me, like um, the lack of vision that a lot of people have on what they can do with a house. Like, oh, you paint this and do this. It's going to look way better. <laughs> I know. They just literally get fixated on oh look at these picture frames oh my god look at this carpet (laughs) who are these people look at these knickknacks i just bought an investment property and it was a i mean if you could have seen it green shag carpet popcorn ceilings like piled high to the ceiling with the most knickknacks i've ever seen in my entire life and i barely even could have the vision myself (laughs) because you couldn't even see like one foot in front of you um But we bought the property, uh, my boyfriend and I, last November, and we just finished the whole project, and it looks like day and night. Crazy difference. Um, So, yeah, you got to have the vision, absolutely. And then make a decision. Did you sell your places right away, or did you rent them out? So my first one, we lived in, and we renovated it, and then, like, took the profit into a new house. And then I lived there, and then when I moved to the U.S., like, I rent that back. I rent that out in the oh, U.K. Nice. Now, so See, it works. Yeah. that's my goal. I want to have rental properties and have some yeah. passive income. So just be collecting those checks. Yeah. And um, so starting with this one. And like you say, it doesn't have to be daunting either. It can just be, like, you know, just starting off, like, one at a time. And I think yeah. just breaking it down for a lot of people and just being like, oh, yeah, like, you don't have to. Because, I mean, I mean, for me personally, like, you meet people who have got, like, 30 houses. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> just start with one. Thanks. Right. Like, ev- like, like everything. <laughs> just start with one and then take it from there. So can we, because I don't have as much experience as Danielle does with this, can we talk a little bit about the ways to make money with real estate? So... Um, you mentioned you bought an investment property, you renovated it, and you'll, I guess, sell that and make money on it. And then you also talked about passive income generating, which I know is what mm-hmm. you have. If someone has that extra income where they perhaps could invest in making money from real estate, what are the options there? What does that look like? So the property that I bought actually was going to flip it right away, meaning I was okay. going just to renovate it and sell it. And I realized that here in the U.S. we have something called the capital gains tax. And if I were to sell it within two years, then I would have to pay a pretty large percentage back to the government. So we made the decision that we were going to keep it as a a rental property instead. So obviously the pros of selling right away is you get... uh, all that money back back in your bank account hopefully you make a profit if you didn't overspend and that's one thing also to keep in mind to be very cautious of your budgets when renovating you know it's different again when you're doing a project for yourself you maybe want to put all the nicest floors finishes marbles all of that stuff but when you're doing an investment property of course you want it to be beautiful and nice but 
it only you're only going to make the money at the end if you you know buy right to begin with and you don't overspend in your materials and all of that so be very organized know your budget you know in advance and then um, when you just if you decide to rent the property then obviously that is you know you you're you're still building equity uh, if you have a loan um, you own the piece of property and you don't you know, get that big check by selling the whole place right away, but you are, you know, obtaining the rent checks every month from from those tenants, and you benefit later because the property also appreciates. So not only are you collecting rent from them every month, but when you do eventually go to sell in however many years, um, you, one would hope that the property would have appreciated that point as well. So it's like a double whammy. And what are the things to consider when you perhaps are buying a place that you're going to rent out? Because I know for us, with the house we bought when we were first exploring, when we live in it, when we rent it out, we had to take into account so many things like the the taxes we pay and like really work out what it was realistically going to cost us per month, and then assess is that you know is that rent normal in those areas? There were so many things to look at. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make sure that your mortgage payments, which includes also your PITI, which stands for principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. So those are the costs, your mortgage expenses. So you want to add those all together and you want to make sure you want to run the comps in the neighborhood, see how much the rents are going for like comparable properties. And then obviously the idea is you want to rent it for more than what you're spending every month. And whatever that margin is, is up to you if you're want to just make $500 a month or however many hundred dollars or over a thousand that's your comfort level but you want to make sure that it's positive and so do you think for people getting into real estate is there is there a right way of doing it like okay your first house you should buy to live in or your first house you should buy as a passive income producing property like is there a roadmap to success with this I think everybody has a different opinion on that. I know a lot of people that they just want to continue to purchase um, multifamily unit properties, be collecting rents and not spend anything, you know, grand on themselves. And then other people whose idea is I want to have, you know, my my home, my sanctuary, that's going to be my first purchase. And from there, I'll start investing. That's what I did. But plenty of people do the opposite. So that's also just kind of a, a personal choice. Got it. Okay, now I also want to ask you, I have so I could grill you forever. <laughs> well <laughs> grill you forever. I want to know some of your rituals because I could already tell just from our emails back and forth how organized you are. <laughs> so I want to know like do you have specific morning rituals, ways that you stay organized, stay on top of things? So I also imagine and added, added layer on top of that, like your job is so client facing and you have to be constantly like on top of people reaching out to you and getting back to people. Like, I think there's a lot to it. Yes. Well, let me first give a little caveat. I'm like the most disorganized, organized person that I know. <laughs> um, in my mind, I envision like perfect Excel spreadsheets and everything's color coded and bookmarked and all that. But that's not me. I am organized, but not in the way that I wish that I was. That's why I love asking everybody else what they do too, because I like to learn. Um, but first I'll talk about the, the morning rituals and routines. Okay. So that to me is like the most important part of my day. What I look forward to the most, um, I tend to need to block out like two hours in the morning before I have to go anywhere because I don't like to be in a rush. Um, I like that. I yeah, I don't like to be like wake up chaotic and frenzied and rushing from places so I where if I have to leave the house at a certain time I make sure I'm up at least two hours before um, but I typically wake up at around 6 30 in the morning I make the bed brush my teeth put on my workout clothes now just added that little thing into my routine so it's already I'm, I'm wearing my outfit <laughs> yeah and then before I even go downstairs go downstairs make my green juice same one every single day what's and in it it's um, green powder and okay. glutamine powder. That's it. And water. Mm, like which a, green powder do you love? It's called Synergy. Okay. It's some oh, organic vegan. I like the Organifi green powder. That's my favorite. Oh, that I'm one might try. have to try yeah, that I one. I might swap with swap. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so I have to have at least a liter of water. And then I sit down and I either read for 20 minutes while I'm finishing my juice, or that's kind of when I might respond to my DMs on Instagram. Um, but I still haven't looked at my phone, texts, or emails yet. Okay. So I don't like to have that in my ether yet in the morning. After my green juice is done, then I'll grab my coffee, and that's when I'll start looking at my texts and emails. So once the coffee and juice are all done. Once the caffeine's in, the emails are on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like I cannot be talking to people quite yet until the coffee has kicked in. And depending on how urgent some of my matters are that morning, I can't do my workout until I've gotten those out of the way. Otherwise it'll just be hanging over my head. So I'll try to get like the most urgent things done right then. And then I will do my workout. And um, it's a weight training, you know, weight lifting, a little bit of cardio, but not a lot. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm loving it. I really believe in finding exercise and the time that works well for you. Because like I was, I had the periods in life, I've always been really active and I used to dance and I used to go to the gym. And then I also went through this period in my life where I hated the gym. Like it was like, I've literally been on the treadmill once nearly crying because I didn't want to oh be there. God. I don't want to be, I'm such a drama queen. <laughs> I don't want to be here. And yet there you are running yeah. around. Yeah, and it's just like, I realized that I was trying to make myself do things that I didn't enjoy doing. I do, I work out for an hour look forward to that more than anything now before it was like a chore hated it just was doing it to you know get ready for something but now I it's like my form of meditation and absolutely vital to my day what (laughs) what kind of workouts do you do I have been doing it's called the sweat program I don't know if you know oh Kayla Kayla. Yeah, Yeah, yeah but the trainer that I can't say work with that I watch <laughs> is Kelsey Wells is her name mm-hmm. and I started it at the beginning of the pandemic and now it's been over a year and wow yeah it's it's great I just you know blast my music and my headphones I always have to exercise in the morning mm-hmm. else I never go and this is where Natalie and I differed for a while although I think you're onto the morning thing right now morning like, I would if I didn't exercise in the morning I would find all the excuses under the sun not to exercise at like 4pm or 6pm and from there also like understand like playlists music or classes like obviously pre-pandemic used to love a class but all the virtual classes now so I think Mm -hmm. it's just like allowing yourself to explore um, what's nice then once you get in that routine of it like you say it's very meditative like it's like oh I'm in the gym I feel so much happier yeah I didn't used to believe people when they would say that (laughs) because I used to work out for very different reasons I'd be like oh it's my birthday in a month I need to lose weight and I need to go to the you know to the gym every day or oh it's the summer summer's coming up or new year's and it was always like trying to get in shape fast Mm. and on a mission which Mm. obviously made it not fun at all and I would hear people say oh you know it's about moving your body every day and I'd be like what I know it's not about that But now I totally get what they're saying when people say that now, because I'm not working out for any particular purpose. I'm not working out for a specific date or anything. It's just the consistency of showing up every day and literally moving my body and getting those endorphins flowing. And that's what sets me up for my day is those endorphins that you get in the morning um, and feeling like, you know, you've you've started your day the right way. And so then after your workout, do you do breakfast or anything like that? What does it look like after? After my workout, I didn't used to eat breakfast, but I just started just, um, I'm starting a a new routine, I guess you could say, not a routine. It's, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the macros, like counting Mm -hmm. your your macros, Mm -hmm. because I've just gotten into this whole weightlifting thing. Um, I started reading a lot about nutrition and diet And so I got really interested in preserving muscle and just like being healthier and more fit. Again, not for any reason or anything upcoming, but just for my health. And it's really, you know, supposed to balance your hormones and give you a lot of energy. And before I would eat very sporadically throughout the day when I had time or sometimes in my car, which is not very healthy. So I read into this and I looked, um, I looked up, you know, all the benefits and I was like, oh, I should really try this. So um, now I have to get in a lot of protein every day. And so, yes, I have to answer your question. I have a smoothie after my workout every day. Where did you start finding out about macros and things? Did you have like a find a good resource? Um, I read a book. It's called Leaner 
stronger. Wait, what is it called? Some Mike Matthews is the author. Okay. And it's a very scientific-based, long, very intricate book. If you're not into, like, huge details, then it is a lot of information. <laughs> but I'm there with, like, my highlighter, taking notes, um, and getting really into it. So I, I like that kind of um, program where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this challenge, and it's really good for me, so I'm, I should try it out. And then I actually start following a bunch of, you know, Instagram accounts of, of different people that, that do that and talking to friends. And so now I feel like I put all those pieces together and trying it out and it's great. So what about self-education, I think with exercise and nutrition, I think everyone's bodies are so different and just like learning, like putting yourself out there to understand different ways of doing it, different ways of eating and times of eating. And then really like working out what works for you because I think mm-hmm. there's like traditionally been a lot of pressure like oh it's like this way's right way and this way's the wrong way and you know so and so is the only thing you should be doing and it's actually no like we all have such different body types and yeah. finding out what works for us individually not only for like um our body composition but also like our routines and our hormones and our own wellness I think all play into it definitely and then just my final question is there like a specific way that you love to plan your day? Any kind of um, ways you plan out how you're going to get things done, things like that? Yes. So basically, I've learned that I need to batch all my time pretty much. And people are like, oh, you're a real estate agent. That's that's impossible. How do you do that? Well, what I do is if I get a showing request in the morning, I'll ask them, can you do it in the afternoon? Very mm. simply. If they can't, then of course I'll make exceptions. But I try to make it so that my day after my workout and my smoothie is back at my home office in front of the computer, getting, getting you know, contracts done, going through all my emails, returning calls, and then that way in the afternoon, I basically can be out in the field, if you want, mm-hmm. um, doing showings, meeting with clients, and bef- you know, before I would be running back and forth between office showing, office showing, and I was like, this is just very inefficient. So this is how I like to set up my days now, uh, highly recommend. And um, as far as keeping track, you know, of clients and all of those things, I do use my notes app. Very simple. I've tried, you know, Todoist and all these other mm-hmm. apps. <laughs> Definitely, you know, you have to write everything down because yeah. that's just. I can't remember everything. Nobody can. So you definitely want to brain dump into somewhere, whatever you're going to use, whatever that may be. Um, I do tend to keep my, you know, my my notes app on my computer out. I have lists, you know, my buyers, my sellers, and pretty much my to-dos. And that's pretty it. It's very simple for me. Anytime I try to get complicated, it does not work out. I can definitely attest to being someone who likes to write things down, hey, Natalie? Yeah. I love writing things down, too. And then guess what? Forget the notebook at home. And I'm like, see, this is why technology. <laughs> I know. I keep trying to get on all the tech ones, but I love a little notepad and pen. It just feels good. I, I know, right? I love. No. What do you use? What do you girls yeah, use? the same. I write everything down. And I have different notebooks for different things. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like notebook queens. I love notebooks. I buy them all the time. I buy them, never fill them, but keep buying new ones. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you? You can find me on Instagram at fairbrit with two T's. And possibly, well, not possibly, on YouTube soon. Ooh. Soon, soon, soon. I'm filling the library and um, getting some episodes ready, and then I'm going to launch soon. What are you going to do on your channel? What kind of stuff? I'm going, it's going to be the same like my Instagram, a mix of real estate and lifestyle, but oh, perfect. Much, more, <laughs> much more personal, much more in-depth. You know, like nice. people ask me all the time about things that they ask all of us, makeup, skincare routines, and mm-hmm. I'm, it's like, I love that stuff. I'm like, I, I want to do that, mm-hmm. but that will be kind of the avenue. I'll do more of that on YouTube. That's so exciting. So have you been learning the whole setup and bashing content and things like that? Not the setup. I've just been filming episodes and gathering and then of course I'm like oh well I need to do this one before I launch and I need to do this one before I launch so I know I just need to launch I know I know maybe you should like put a date out there now we can all hold you accountable oh god (laughs) okay summer okay let's do it I did batch before I launched my channel and I'm so glad that I did because it was 
it just meant that I had so many episodes in the bank that I wasn't worried. Pressure to keep up yeah. every single week. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, re- it's actually been really helpful for me to do that. So I do recommend okay, that. Okay, good. Well, I'll have to yeah. hit you up for more tips once I get closer. I don't, I don't know anything at all. It's been, <laughs> it's been really fun to do YouTube because I was the same, just like creating content on Instagram and mm-hmm. I was putting so much effort into it. Then realizing that once it's done, it's done and people aren't going to keep mm. discovering your old content. Oh, right. So it's been really fun to put content up there that has a longer shelf life and you can just continually push people to that. It's been really great. That's awesome. You'll love it. I'm excited. I yeah. am. But batching is the way forward. Batching. Batching <laughs> yeah. is the way of life. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, Thank you so much. Fun. This Thank was you. fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. See you next time.